Welcome to On Mission, the teaching ministry of the Mission Church in Urbandale, Iowa. We exist to love God by loving others, leading them to become fully functioning followers of Jesus Christ. Today we conclude Mike's message on Luke. As you go through your day as a follower of Jesus, do you take the issues of the day to him regularly? Do you find the need to do that, or do you believe in your own heart? You can just handle it on your own. When you prepare, I talked about a few minutes ago, people in this room having been engaged in ministry. When you prepare to engage ministry in the name of Christ, do you commit your efforts and that ministry to Jesus in prayer? Do you do that, or do you just jump into it without concern because you've done it before, and you're confident you can do it again. Make, I want to make sure you understand what I'm saying. Let's just say you're an Awana worker. wonder how many of our Awana workers, before they begin their ministry on any given night, stop for just a moment and acknowledge, Lord, thank you for the privilege of this ministry. I need your help. Give me the strength to love the kids. Give me the strength Give me the ability to do this, that, and the other, and then move on. Do we do it that way, or do we just show up and say, hey, I'm here, I got my shirt on, hey, what's for lunch, what's for dinner, and hey, oh, I'm in that room, okay, I'm just going to go in there and I'm just going to do it. I'm going to do it because I've always done it, and I know I can succeed. Sometimes, people like me, preachers, pastors, we find ourselves operating like that. Hey, I've got a seminary degree. Hey, I've got all these tools. Hey, my schedule's really busy. Hey, I can write that sermon. Hey, I can get up on the platform and deliver it. Hey, I've got what it takes. You know, Lord, I acknowledge you. Okay, great, thanks for all the blessings. But hey, I got this covered. And I can tell you from my own experience that when you operate from that perspective, you're going down. You're going down. We have to come to our efforts, the life that we live, and the ministries that we do from the perspective of, Lord, I don't care how many degrees I've got. I don't care how many sermons I've preached. I don't care how many kids I've worked with. I don't care how many times I've driven this route to to work. I need your power and your authority coming through me today. Jesus said it like this, abide in me, And I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Who is it, church? Okay, listen, are you listening? Who is it that bears much fruit? Tell me, who is it? No, Jesus does bear much fruit, but besides Jesus, the answer is not always Jesus. Who bears much fruit? Huh? Well, it's those who are abiding in him. Those who are connected to him. Those who don't take it for granted that they can just go and do things because they've done them in the past. But they realize they need the power of the vine coursing through them as branches. They're the ones who bear much fruit. Jesus ends that statement saying, for apart from me, you can do nothing. And this is a lesson that we must continually be learning because it is so easy to forget. 
And when we do, we find ourselves powerless and we find ourselves ineffective. We find ourselves discouraged in the efforts for our Lord. Well, as we come to the end of today's passage, verses 44 through 45, we find that Jesus having performed another miracle, we find that everybody's excited. I mean, everybody's smiling. Everybody's talking. Everybody's having a grand old time. They're celebrating what Jesus has done again. But I want you to notice that despite all of this celebration by all of these people who have witnessed what Jesus has just done, we find Jesus being concerned about something completely different. Completely different. Several times now, Jesus has spoken to his disciples about the ultimate purpose of his ministry. The ultimate purpose of his ministry was not miracles. The ultimate purpose of his ministry was not great teaching. The ultimate purpose of his ministry comes through his death and through his resurrection. And both of those are just around the corner. But each time he had spoken to them about this, they had failed to understand it. And so we find this time, as he talks to them, he presses the issue just a little bit stronger. He says to them, let these words sink into your ears. I don't see that as just an invitation to listen. (laughs) I find it as, I don't want to say sarcastic, but, (laughs) you know, it's an insinuation that you've not been hearing. Oh, you're hearing, but you're not listening. You're hearing, but you're not comprehending. So listen, guys, open up those ears. Get that wax out and let what I'm about to tell you really sink in. It's a statement of determined resolve. What does he say? He says, the Son of Man is about to be delivered into the hands of men. Just so you understand, the phrase, the Son of Man... If you go back and look at Daniel chapter 17, verse 13, or if you look at Psalm chapter 110, you find that this is a statement that is specifically targeting the Messiah, the one that Yahweh would send to be a deliverer. And so when Jesus says the Son of Man is about to be delivered, here's what he's saying, and there was understanding that he's saying it this way. He's saying, I'm the one whom Yahweh has sent I am the Messiah, I am the Deliverer, and I'm telling you that I am about to be delivered into the hands of men. And they will kill me, the Son of Man. And when he is killed, after three days, he will rise. Now, from my perspective, 2,000 years later, and all the revelation that we have, those words are positive Because when I think of his death and his resurrection, I think of the power that has brought me out of sin and made me a dearly loved child of God. So those words are very positive. But I want to tell you that they were anything but positive to those disciples who were hearing it. Luke says that it was concealed from them so that they might not perceive it. It was concealed from them. What does that mean? Who's doing the concealing? And what motivation would anybody have to want to keep the disciples from understanding? 
And at first glance, it may seem that Luke is suggesting that God is keeping the disciples from understanding. And listen, we can't put it past him because on many occasions, God has chosen to conceal truth. He has chosen to let people walk right by it because there was a time and a place for that revelation. And so we can't say, oh, God wouldn't do that. Yeah, he does do that sometimes. But, and you may disagree with me, and that's okay because you do all the time. But I don't think God is the concealer here. I believe the concealing comes back to the disciples themselves. I think it comes back to their twisted expectations of what the Messiah would be. You see, we've noted in times past the idea that, uh, of the Messiah that they believed he would be a political ruler. They believed he would be a military deliverer. This was deeply ingrained in their thinking. And I come to you saying that the reason they couldn't grasp what Jesus was saying is because it didn't fit with their concept of a Messiah. So when they hear Jesus talking like this, When they hear him saying, I'm going to be taken captive and I'm going to be put to death, that message makes no sense whatsoever to them. Why would the chosen one, the anointed one from Yahweh, why would he be taken captive? Why would that die? That makes no sense. And even though it didn't make sense to them, the text says, That they were afraid to talk to him about it. What were they afraid of? Were they afraid that Jesus would be mad? That he might criticize them? No, I don't believe that's it at all. I believe they were afraid, they were afraid of what they might hear if they asked. They didn't want to hear. They didn't want to hear what he was already saying that they didn't understand. And subsequently, because they refused to engage him in conversation about this, they remained in the dark about the most important work the Messiah would do until after it was done. Afraid to ask. Afraid. We should focus on that for a second. Afraid to ask. You know, it's not much different than what a lot of religious people experience today. Religious people... They, they like the Jesus that is soft and accepting. They absolutely adore the Jesus who is only concerned that his followers do good and that they accept everyone else as equal children of God. They, religious people, love that. But inevitably, from one channel or another, they hear about a Jesus who demands repentance and faith. They hear about a Jesus who says to lay down your own life, to take up mine and follow me. They hear about a Jesus who instructs his followers to warn others about a judgment to come and then to hold out an exclusive gospel that points to Jesus alone as the only escape from the consequences of sin. They hear, religious people hear about that Jesus and I want to assure you they don't like it. They don't like it. They don't like it because it's, it's not their idea of a savior. They don't like it because it's not the kind of holy one they want to follow. And so by and large, religious people don't inquire. They don't ask. 
What do they do? They just shut up their ears and they refuse to seek the truth for the fear that the Jesus they want to embrace is not the Jesus they will find if they inquire. Truth point number four and the final one. I want us in this room this morning to understand that Jesus has no concern about meeting our expectations. He has no concern. You don't like who he is. You don't like what he says. You don't like how he goes about doing ministry. You would rather think of that mythological one that is shaped in your ideas and your concepts. Jesus is not concerned about that at all. He just does this. He just calls us to lay down our ill-informed expectations. He calls us to learn from Him what is true. And He calls us by faith to embrace Him as Savior and Lord of our life. He doesn't care what you think or even what I think. He represents Himself as who He is. And He calls us to follow This is On Mission. The Mission Church is located at 12001 Ridgemont Drive in Urbandale. To learn more about our ministry, visit our website at themissiondsm.org or call us at 515-255-2122. We gather for worship each Sunday at 10 a.m. We would be honored for you to join us. Have a blessed day, and thank you for listening to On Mission. On Mission.